are here. Oh yeah, we are here. We get this all straightened out here. Okay. A lot of buttons to tend to when we uh, get ready to do this thing. Sometimes we skip a button or two. <laughs> That's okay. We're here today. Newark Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Hope you're enjoying either one of those, maybe both. Today we're going to talk about something that's important to Christians, real church life. I think we've kind of drifted away a little bit from what real church life is about, and we want to kind of go back. We'll go back and get a kind of a sample of what church life was like back in the, in the first century. Hopefully it'll inspire us to be a little more serious about our faith, more intentional about our walk with the Lord. Okay, that's what we want to do here. You know, back in the first century, and maybe like today too, people joined the church for a reason. You know, the church is brand new in the first century, the day of Pentecost it began, and people joined for a reason. Something was happening around them. And something was happening inside of them as well. Around them, things are falling apart. <laughs> kind of like, here we are 2,000 years later, right? Doesn't seem to be any better, does it? Not at all. Doesn't seem to be any. It looks like things are falling apart today, too. So maybe that's a good thing. Whatever it is that causes us to draw closer to the Lord, that's a good thing, okay? So in the first century, things were falling apart around them, but inside of them, inside of their hearts, things were coming together. You know, the world is always experiencing some sort of calamity, always. Paul said that it would be like a woman in labor ready to give birth as she gets closer and closer to delivery time. The labor pains increase, and that's what's going to happen in the world. Yeah, it's going to get more intense as we get closer to the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, and the return of Christ. So, inside the people's hearts, they were finding peace. Even though there was calamity on the outside, they were finding peace on the inside. Jesus had fulfilled his promise. And what was the promise? of sending what he called another helper, the parakletos. Para, alongside. Kletos, to call. To call alongside. One called alongside to help. That's the Holy Spirit. That's who he is in our lives. And on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples that were up in the upper room, and they were praying. And when the Spirit came, they were all indwelt and filled with the Spirit. They were given the gift of speaking in other languages. They went down into the city, and they began to testify of Jesus the Savior. And Peter, I love the story of Peter because, you know, he, he was in ruins. Oh, yeah? When Jesus was arrested and Peter denied him three times, he was a ruined man. But Jesus sent for him. 
He said, oh, tell the disciples, meet me in Galilee, and don't forget to tell Peter. You know what I love about that? There's always forgiveness with Christ. Maybe you're in ruins. There's always forgiveness in Christ. Okay? Don't ever forget that. You might not find forgiveness in any other place, but you'll always find it in Christ. So Peter became a new man, and he's preaching down in Jerusalem that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy of David, that he was David's heir, and he would reign forever and ever, but he would first destroy his enemies. Oh, our God, he hates evil. Let me tell you something. He's not sentimental. He has enemies, and he hates evil. And he will destroy them. You know why? Because they're against us. They're against him, and they're also against us. We are his beloved. You name Jesus as your Savior, and you become his beloved also. So in Acts chapter 2, oh, look at verse 36. Therefore, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, speaking of Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Wow. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? You crucified him. And he's Lord. And he's the Christ, the anointed one. Well, you know what happened? When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Well, that's good. It's good when the word of God is spoken and you're pierced to the heart. That means it hit the target. You're not defending against it. You're not rationalizing it away. You're letting it sink, sink deep into your heart. And they said to Peter and all the other apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Oh, we're the ones that cried out, crucify him. And he's the Lord's Christ. What should we do? And you know, Peter said, there's hope. It's not over. Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's right, the one you killed, the one you said crucify him. You'll be baptized in his name for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive a gift. What's that gift, Peter? The Holy Spirit. So what is Peter saying? Repent means to think differently. Start thinking differently about your religiosity and who Jesus is. And commit to follow him. That's what baptism is. It's a public profession that you're a follower of Christ. You're not baptized in order to be saved. You're baptized because you are saved. Salvation precedes baptism. Now, verse 40, watch how things were falling apart on the outside. And with many other words, he solemnly testified, and he kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. What does the word perverse mean? It means warped, winding, crooked. <laughs> you know what? 2,000 years later, things haven't gotten any better, have they? Oh, here we are, great technology, inventions, breakthroughs, discoveries. We're no better off. We're still a warped and crooked generation. Sometimes I think we're even worse now than they were in the first century. 
People fighting to kill their babies. What is wrong with them? Carrying signs. We want to kill our babies. What is wrong with these people? Think of this perverse generation. Picture a winding road. You know, you can take a winding road, like say a winding road that goes up the top of a mountain. Or you can have a straight line that goes straight up. Which one takes longer? The winding road. The winding road takes a whole lot longer than a straight, direct path. And I believe that if scientists read the Bible, we'd be much farther along in our discoveries today. Because the Bible, it's a pretty smart book. You know, it mentions the earth being round in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It says the earth is round. Imagine if they knew that instead of thinking it was flat for hundreds of years. The Bible talks about cleaning wounds with running water in Leviticus 15.13. Imagine if people knew that, how they could avoid infections thousands of years ago. But no, we're going to do it our way. We don't need God's way. We'll do it our way. Okay. Now, in the next verse, what? 3,000 people responded to Peter's message. And they became saved. And they were baptized. Now, question. What are all of these people to do? Now what do they do? What's next? you got 3,000 people. They're all born again. Now what? Well, they give us a picture of real church life. You know what they did? They gathered together regularly so they could grow in their faith. Growing in their faith was of the utmost importance to them. Acts 2.42 They were continually, I like that, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Notice, they were devoted. Isn't that important? When you're devoted to something, you know what that means? You're sold out. You're on board. You're in the running. Yeah, you're committed. You're devoted. Now, we've got four activities here that made up their lives, Bible study, fellowship, breaking of bread together, and prayer. That's a pretty good template for the church. So let's break these down and see what real church looks like. They were continually devoting themselves. Adam Clark, he said, they received it, they retained it, and they acted on its principles. I like that. They devoted themselves to what? Fellowship. The word is koinonia. Koinonia means a sharing. I had a sailboat one time. I called it koinonia because it was a a place of fellowship. Okay? Now, sometimes koinonia means the sharing of money. But here it means a sharing of their lives. Whatever you have that you can share, that's koinonia. You can share food. That's koinonia. You can share kind words. Koinonia. Okay? So, the independent spirit does not grow God's church. That's why Peter is, well, he didn't preach it, but this is what they did. They gathered together for fellowship because independence, it doesn't grow the church. They had a new pool from which to draw their friends. You know, sometimes 
you get saved and, and you, you start to drift away from your worldly friends because you're not going in the same direction anymore. You can invite them along and say, come on with me. And many times they say, no, it's okay. I'm all right. You, you, you go. I'm, I'm okay. They might even attack you. Say, why are you going there? And your friends can change. And when you go to church, you have a new pool of friends that you can draw some, draw from. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together. That could mean a couple of things. It could mean the communion, or it could mean sharing meals together. Probably the latter, sharing meals together. I think the early church was very big on potlucks. Oh, yeah. Come on, we're going over Mary's house. Everybody bring a dish. Now we're going over Jean's house. Everybody bring a dish. You know, they just enjoyed that. You know, a lot of churches do that. And it's just an enjoyable time. People get together, they fellowship and spend time together, encourage each other, sharing food. Nothing like fellowship over food. Food and fellowship, man, they go together like chocolate and peanut butter. How many times did Jesus in the Gospels teach the Word of God at a dinner party, around food, in people's houses? A couple of times he threw a big picnic and fed thousands of people while he taught. Oh yeah, Jesus, he's into food and fellowship too. Want to be like Jesus? <laughs> be into food and fellowship and you'll be like him. You know what else they devoted themselves to? Prayer. Oh, that's big. What is prayer? Talking to God. You don't want to leave God out. I mean, it's all about God, isn't it? Isn't it our faith about God? So you have to talk to him. You don't like not talk to the one that your life is about. And they would pray for God to extend his kingdom to others. That's a good prayer. God, bring other people in. Even Jesus said one time, pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers to go into his field. That is on the heart of God. Oh, he wants to expand his kingdom. He wants his kingdom. There's plenty of room in heaven. And he can fit as many people very comfortably as are willing to come. So think about it. Life in the early church was a radical change from the way they were living previously. Now, we have a dilemma today. And what's the dilemma? The problem with many, I'll say, American churches is that, and you tell me if you agree or not, I don't know, there's not much of a radical change in the way people live after salvation than how they lived before salvation in many cases. Not all cases, obviously, but in a lot of cases, people, yeah, they say the sinner's prayer and they just keep living the old way they did. There's no urgency to fulfill what we see happening in the early church. Ask yourself, do I have an urgency for Bible study? Think about it. God gave us his word. Why did he do that? To help us to grow and to direct our lives in any given situation we might find ourselves in. Right? So, if you don't do Bible study, you won't have the wisdom and the direction that you need for this life. Want to be depressed? Ignore the Bible. Want to be discouraged? Ignore the Bible. Want to have no goals in life? Ignore the Bible. That's all. But the Word of God, oh, it does the opposite. 
It encourages. It gives us direction. It gives us wisdom. Oh, it gives us what we need for life on earth. Secondly, I don't ask yourself, do I have an urgency for fellowship? We could call fellowship the support system that God designed for his people. Yeah. There's strength in numbers. That's why here at New Hope we have a cafe and food and beverages. Excuse me. Why? So people can have a support system. They can fellowship before service, after service. Not during service. But to gather together, make friends, build relationships. That's church life. That's real church life. Then ask yourself, do I have an urgency for the communion? The communion, the elements, the reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. When communion Sunday rolls around, do I have more of an urgency to be in church? Because that's the day my church breaks bread, has the cup, has the bread, and we remember. We remember Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Is is that Sunday? For us, it's the first Sunday of every month. Is that Sunday a little more special to you? Is it harder to miss on Communion Sunday than other Sundays? If you have an urgency, it is. But if you're a typical American Christian, one Sunday's just like another. Ask yourself this. Do I have an urgency for prayer? That God's kingdom would grow. Do you have an urgency? You want God's kingdom to grow? And all the people in your life that are far from God, you want to see them brought near to God? Do you have an urgency? Do you have a passion? Do you have a longing that that would happen? I want to encourage you. I want to give you something you can grow. Something we've been doing here at New Hope. And we're going to start on a new Facebook page Monday. If you want to go to the New Hope Christian Church Swansea Facebook beginning Monday, what we do is morning devotionals. I do a morning devotional Monday through Friday. It's about four or five minutes. And it's just a great way to kick off the day. You know, you start off with the Word of God. And um, it's going to be on the New Hope Christian Church Swansea Facebook. It'll be there starting Monday like around 6 a.m., sometimes a little earlier, well, sometimes a little after. But that's about the focal point. And, you know, you start off every day with that little video devotional. And it just kind of, it's like, it's like priming the pump. You know, you prime the pump and then you can pump the water. So I hope you can maybe start joining us next Monday on that. Now let's see what happened in the early church when they all met together. Verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Notice it says everyone, (laughs) all those in Jerusalem, they kept feeling a sense of awe. That means awe kept coming. You know the word awe, it's the word phibomai. It's what we get the word phobia. And it means fear. That there was a sense of fear among them that something's happening. God is doing something. Wow. We never saw anything like this before. They were getting ramped up with God. They were puzzled. They were confounded at the manner in which the apostles preached. And they charged them with the deliberate murder of Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, he said, the ones you crucified. And yet, in the most positive manner, he reminded them, that's okay. Jesus rose from the dead. You didn't keep him down. God sent him down. And the mighty outpouring of the Spirit is now here as a witness of the resurrected Christ. And Peter is saying, the one you crucified was appointed by God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, those alive and those dead. See, this was a, this message, powerful. This was a Billy Graham message. We don't get Billy Graham messages today. We get tickle your ear messages today. We don't get messages about wake up, repent. Look at your life. We don't get messages like that. We get messages like, oh, you know, God, you know, God, I don't know. I don't want to say it. It makes me sick. The message from the Christians in those days became powerful and they were believable. So now ask yourself as a Christian, am I believable? Do you live a believable Christian life? If you told someone you were a Christian and they knew you, would they say, yep, you certainly are? Or they say, really? I didn't know that. Ah, I didn't know you were a Christian. I'm one too. Really? I didn't know you were either. (laughs) That's a bad testimony. So here's a group of believers now back in the first century, because they were so fired up, their influence spread beyond their own circle. It did. We jump down to verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, in other words, be the church for us, breaking bread from house to house, They were taking their meals together with gladness. They were happy to do it and sincerity of heart. And notice what they were doing, praising God and having favor with all the people. See, when you live the Christian life, it's attractive to others. It's appealing. The Christian life is an appealing lifestyle. If your Christian walk Looks like you've been baptized in pickle juice. That is not the proper Christian walk. The Christian walk is appealing. If you never smile, you never laugh, you're full of rules and regulations, you're critical and judgmental, you're separated from everybody that's not like you, that is not the Christian life. And when you live the Christian life in an appealing way, you know what the Bible says? The Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. There's the kingdom growth. There it is. It seems like God is cooperating with the church. When the church gets it together and lives right, God blesses it, and he brings souls into the kingdom. So let's do this. Let's make our walk effective. Let's make our lives effective, okay? Impacting. Jesus said one time, maybe he said it more than once, I don't know. If the fig tree doesn't bear any fruit, tear it down. Wow. Why? Because he wants fruit. He doesn't want trees. (laughs) He wants fruit. Knowledge is not fruit. Knowledge is the sap that feeds the fruit. If your Christian walk is all about knowledge, You're just sappy. It's sap. You can't eat sap. 
But when the sap feeds the fruit, now the fruit begins to grow. And that's the nourishment. That's what gives life. Okay? So think about Even Paul said, our knowledge is to lead us to love. We don't stop at knowledge. Sometimes knowledgeable Christians, they're like stuffed shirts. They're all about knowledge, but they have no life. They have no love. They have no compassion. you got to have knowledge. Knowledge will teach you how to love. So you can either be sappy or you can be fruitful. Which one? If you stop at knowledge, you're just sappy. But if you have fruit in your life, now you're fruity. Well, we'll call it fruitful. That sounds better. Let's be nourishment to others. Let's be nourishment to one another. Let's be nourishment to the world around us. You know why? Because the world is starving. And they don't know it. They don't know it. They know something's wrong. But they don't know what. That's a dilemma. And the whole world knows this. The world is full of problems. But they haven't found the solution. Or they've ignored it. I'm going to tell you what the solution is. It's the church. It's the church that represents the body of Christ. That's the solution. And you know what? They might reject it and kick it down to the curb. That's all right. We don't stop being the church. We don't stop being the body. We continue to be the hands and the feet and the lips of Jesus. And we bring good things, good tidings of good things to a lost and dying world. That's what we do. And if we do it right, you know what's going to happen? God will add to the numbers. He certainly will. He will grow his kingdom. That's what we want. And you know why? Some of those people that are going to grow in the kingdom, we care about them. They're our family members. They're our best friends. They're our co-workers. They're our neighbors. They're people we care about. And right now, they're far from God. And they need to see what real church life looks like. And maybe a rereading of Acts chapter 2 can just remind us a little bit. Oh, yeah what they did in the early church and if they did it then and it worked I think it'll work today as well I know it will thanks for coming along today you can catch this message again at the Hope Club podcast look for Real Church Life you can get it on Apple Podcasts NewHopeCC.tv it's our website scroll down and it's right there real church life share it with some friends all right listen it's a beautiful day enjoy the day but be mindful how important your life is as a christian to everybody around you